1: This week, the Down and Nerdy podcast is brought to you by Claritin D. And shout out to the folks at Claritin who not just sponsored the show, but also provided some samples as well. Tis the season to breathe pollen. Yeah, I've been spending a lot more time outside. Yeah, I can tell those allergies are definitely acting up. I feel stuffy. I feel sluggish. The eyes are starting to water a little bit more. That's why I'm turning... To Claritin D. Look, it's definitely helped me relieve my symptoms. It seems to work really, really fast for me as well. It's designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongestion in your nose so you can breathe better. And hey, I'm noticing a lot of that right now. As a matter of fact, I'm looking forward to be able to enjoy much more outdoor time this spring and summer. A lot of that has to do with Claritin D. Fast and Powerful Relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. We've got witches and potions and aunties. This week it's episode 423 of the Down and Nerdy podcast. I'm James them. So many amazing guests to talk to this week. Anjali Bimani is going to talk to miss M- talk about Miss Marvel with me coming up, and Auntie R- Auntie Ruby, what she's got going on. Also, we've got Elliot Lawrence, who's the creator of Motherland Fort Salem, who's going to dish with us about the season three premiere that's going to be coming up. This Tuesday, also going to talk to Eric Burnham. The second part of my conversation with him about his new comic, Potions Inc., is going to be coming up here shortly. Plus, I want to talk about The Flash. I haven't talked about The Flash in a while, so we'll jump into episode 18 of season 8 with a review there to get you caught up on all things Eobard Thawne and Mina Dowen and so many amazing characters that are being brought in for this season. Jon Snow getting a Game of Thrones spinoff. I'll talk about that. Wonder Man possibly coming into Disney Plus from Marvel. And a couple of good trailers to speak about too. Plus, there's some big announcements coming from on the show. So make sure you're following along along on social media at down and nerdy757 for some big, big stuff. And if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. I hope you'll subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Let's kick things off with a little Miss Marvel talk, shall we? Anjali Bamani joins me next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Yo, this is Greg Sipes, Teen Times Go. You're listening to the Down and Nerdy, 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 Nerdy Podcast nerdy 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 podcast this guy's biggest nerd you ever met the nerdiest of the nerds so i know you guys are watching it you're loving it miss marvel every wednesday on disney plus with an amazing cast it's just so much fun and you heard about the illuminantes so we just decided to go ahead and grab one this week it's auntie ruby herself anjali bomani anjali how are you doing
2: I'm doing great. I'm um, so we were just before we started this podcast, we have to say we were both talking about how much we hate spoilers. And mm-hmm. as soon as you said that, I was like, Oh no, is that a spo-? No, I feel like we're I feel like we're safe. I feel like we're safe with the audience.
1: It was in the credits. So I think it's fair. fair, fair, game. fair.
2: And if you yep. haven't seen if you haven't seen the, you know, episode two by now, that I feel like yeah, it's Yeah, like,
1: yeah. you should probably and you probably I feel like it's out.
2: fair. I mean, so,
1: let's talk about though. We've seen a couple of episodes now that they've, they've been released. How much fun's it kind of been for all of you seeing the response from fans so far? Because it's been bonkers.
2: It's been so incredibly rewarding, especially because, you know, there's so much heart went into this show from the very beginning, from way before I was a part of it. So much heart and so much love, not just for the specific cultural communities that were uh, depicted, but for the character, for the Marvel Universe, so much respect and so much depth that everybody wanted to, you know, pay attention to in this particular piece. And with any piece of art, whether it is theater or a book or, or a series or whatever, you never really know until you launch that and hand it over to the public, whether it's going to go over as well as you hope. So it's a little bit like, you know, this long, long, long awaited anticipation. And the response has been even better than I ever could have hoped. I mean, my, my biggest hope was that everyone would fall in love with Iman Bilani as much as I have fallen in love with her as a person and as an actress, because she is just, she, I don't think there is a better Kamala Khan in the world than her. She's just the perfect person for it. And she's just lovely. And I'm so excited for the world to have her. It's been really wonderful. It's also been really wonderful hearing from all different demographics which was the hope you know obviously obviously there is a connection to a particular cultural and a particular religious community but there's also there's so much story there and there's so there's so many layers to this story and whether it's people saying oh my god it's so nice to see a show that's about someone stepping into their power rather than already being super powerful or that was so great to see family so much in a show like this like it's it's really great to see the different ways that people are connecting with it, because it feels like there's something for everyone.
1: And there really is based on I think, all the things that you just said, which is one of the things that makes the show great. I, it seems like each week, and I know we're only a couple of weeks in, we're getting more and more about the Pakistani culture and Kamala's superhero journey. How important is that for you to see that represented not just on the screen, but on a major Marvel platform?
2: I don't think we can stress enough how powerful that is. And again, not just specifically because it represents a certain the Muslim Pakistani community and because they are feeling or getting to see represented themselves represented, but also because there are many people who don't have any experience other than maybe what they see on the news or they hear on the radio or whatever, with that particular culture, with that particular religion. And so to be able to have that sense of, oh, these are my neighbors. These are the people next door. This is my superhero. And step into that world and have people introduced to it in a respectful, thoughtful, and enjoyable way is is really, 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 I I hesitate to say the word important because I don't want to be lofty about it, but I think it is. I think it's really important that we all stay open to stories from different cultures, from different, uh, different demographics than we are necessarily a part of, because that's the only way to learn about people when you aren't just right in front of them. If you don't have those people in your circle or in your city or in your state or wherever you are, this is your chance to meet and learn all about that culture, all about those folks. And also, this is one story, one story that has Muslim Pakistanis and Indian Muslims and Black Muslims and people of all different genders and, and orientations and all of that. It's just one story. So it can't represent the totality of a culture or the totality of a religion or the totality of that demographic, but it is a relatable enough story that I think it's going to open up people's imagination, open up people's excitement to learn more. And that right there, I mean, that's that's the impact of storytelling right there is getting to open people's minds and have them more interested to dive deeper into something they didn't know about.
1: Absolutely. Very, very well put. I want you to take us back to the casting process a bit, especially the ultra secretive Marvel casting process. How much did you actually even know about your role going into the show? Never mind the audition. I knew my name. Did they give you the right name? Because oh, yeah. yeah. they've been known to give you the, they not the, give right. the okay. right name, which okay. I appreciated.
2: But yeah, no, the audition sides, nowhere, anywhere, as far as I know in the series, didn't know, you know, they, they are very smart to do that for, for a number of reasons. One is that it builds excitement, at least for me, like it gets me sure. excited because in addition to being an actress, I am also on the flip side, a huge fangirl of so many different things, you know, I'm, whether it's gaming or or Marvel or sci-fi or fantasy fiction. I'm, I love like diving into all that before we, before we started rolling, we were talking about Game of Thrones, you know, that same mm-hmm. thing. And so getting to go to work every day and be like, Ooh, what am I going to find out today? Ooh, what's happening? Oh, 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 this is happening? Cool. And it also, I think by not necessarily giving us all that information at the beginning, we get more of a chance to play. There's a little more of my bandwidth because if I don't already have, like if I don't have a script script, a long time in advance and I know that I'm going to be on set, I know I'm going to need to do a lot of imagining ahead of time to put myself into this situation, to be prepared to maybe improvise if they want that or to maybe discuss the character with them and see how it develops. So I really I really do enjoy that sense of like, ooh, what's coming today? But yeah, no, I, I knew a whole lot of nothing.
1: And there's nothing wrong with that because that's the, no. way, that's the way I want to go into it too. So you and I are of the same yeah. mind in that for sure. Yeah.
2: I mean, so- it's different for, it's obviously different for different shows and different oh, sure. mediums and you know like sometimes I you know no one wants to get 20 pages of a script the day before they're supposed to shoot it like it, it, if that if they, they're very respectful in the sense that like obviously if you have more to do that you get it in time to learn it but for this one in particular it was just it was nothing but fun. And that's awesome. That's good to hear. So like I said, you're a famous
1: member of the Illuminantes, which I thought was a really, really funny thing that we got introduced so to in episode so two. Good. Rumor has it, though, and it was said in the episode that, that you guys know it all. So is it more than just gossiping aunties here? Is there more to it that we're going to find out?
2: I mean, auntie knows best.
1: No always. doubt. No doubt. Aunt- I, I'm not going to argue with you. Matt met know. an
2: Indian auntie, you know that auntie always knows best. So, and every auntie. Every auntie knows best. Sure. I mean, obviously they know things. I can't tell you what they know because no, of course not, no. you know, we have future episodes to get through. Mm-hmm. But obviously there was a, you know, there's a piece of information that came out in episode two that uh, was new to Kamala. So that was, that's a little bit of something, something. And as time goes on, you'll see.
1: There you go. This is very much family story, like you were saying, and the Khan family obviously taking center stage because of, because of Kamala. But the community also seems quite large as well how would you describe the khan family dynamic
2: just warm and tight like that is a tight tight family even with the conflicts that they have they are all it it all comes from love and you can you can feel it and that's what i love so much about the depiction of these characters because quite often south asian family in south asian families the parents are depicted as very strict and very traditional and there's sort of no it's a it's sort of in a two-dimensional way they're like well that's what they are and that's how it is and that's so funny but in this story, especially as, as we move on, like in episode two, you see that it comes from such a place of love and wanting to protect their child and wanting to love their child and just maybe not understanding the things that she's going through, but wanting the best for her. And on the flip side, the kids, you know, even though they're like Amir is obviously grown, he's still a kid, like you're in, you know, you're still a kid until you're 45 or even past that. But, but there, there is this, I got you. You know, there's this, there's this, okay, yeah, we're, we're, we're at odds, but ultimately I got you. And you can see that, you know, you can see that warmth between them. So I think it's, I think it's really just all about them being so, so tight. I love that you also get to meet Amir's fiance in episode two because she brings a wonderful dynamic and a sense of like she is a part of this community she's not yet, yet a part of this family so learning how she gets uh absorbed into the family and how warm they are with her like I just think it's like I said it's a it's it's such a great depiction of of this culture for people who've never seen it before because you realize they're Everybody at their core just cares about their family. Everybody want all the parents want the best for their children. All the children want to bust out from from under their parents. Like it's all very very universal.
1: That is very very true. We're talking to Anjali Bamani, of course, plays Auntie Ruby on Miss Marvel, which you can see every Wednesday. She does other stuff too. We'll get into that here in just a second. But this is if you haven't heard if you haven't watched episode two yet, skip this part because we got to talk about just a little oh, bit yeah. of something. Okay. So this particular question, skip this part if you haven't watched episode two yet. Like you said, Kamal's determined kamal is determined to find out more about this bengal and you know what awakened her powers and things like that but you know just like we don't talk about bruno like they said in Encanto, we don't talk about uh-huh. aisha apparently either so auntie ruby had a little bit of a bombshell you know we, we, <laughs> we still have to we still have to figure out what's going on there but uh, how much does she, do you think she actually knows how much can you tease for us how much is actually known about aisha how
2: much is known in general or how much does auntie ruby know
1: Well, let's go with Auntie Ruby.
2: I think Auntie Ruby always knows a little more than she lets on. I feel like she's the, I mean, at least I felt this way, like when I was playing her, like she's a little bit like, the first point of entry for the aunties like when information comes in boom then they, then it goes out to all the aunties so she's like the the curator of what goes out she's the hub
1: know? she's the hub hub of the the aunties. The,
2: <laughs> yeah exactly she's like the mayor of facebook she's like the mayor of the lumen aunties, you I know like, she's like she's like the she's like the lady that's how i played her or at least how i see her because she takes such delight in sharing information and yeah it's gossipy but it's also Oh, I got you. We need to tell everybody about this. Great. There's a problem. We need to tell everybody. Great. There's something awesome. We need to tell everybody. Great. I got you. Let me get on my phone. All of that. And you can tell there is, she just, and this is patterned after my aunties too. There is a relishing of life that I love about Auntie Ruby. You know, there, there are different aunties in the show and you'll see, you'll see some that are a little, maybe a little more sour than others, but she's just like, she's just game. And I love that about her. And I love that. I mean, I secretly, like, not secretly, secret's out. This is the auntie I would I would hope I would be. And this that is, is
0: amazing. And that's that's, amazing. And that's,
2: to be able to play that, thank God, you know, the creators, Sana and Bisha and all, everybody were very open. And especially Mira, who directed that episode, very open to, like, bring what you want to this character. And I'm glad they let me bring me to my character.
1: Which is incredible. Now, I've seen a little bit of chat about this on social media. You mentioned Bisha. I want to talk about this. I wanted to bring it up for anybody who hasn't seen it. I know how much you love the fact that Kamala referred to the powers hard light. That's very near <laughs> and dear to you. And obviously Bisha picked up on it too. So so tell us about that and that little connection for anybody that doesn't know.
2: Well, yeah, sure. So for anybody who doesn't know, I also play a character named Symmetra in a game called Overwatch. And Symmetra's powers come from hard light technology where she creates things out of of light in the future in this uh, futuristic world that we live in that said i mean i was even talking with one of the writers of overwatch after the fact we were talking about the episode he was like in fairness i feel like we didn't like invent hard light as a concept like i think it's kind of a i feel like it's something that the fantasy community has had a had in their pocket for a while but i do love i mean as soon as they said it in episode two when we were at the premiere i was like oh oh really oh excellent my heart is warmed this is lovely and then to see bisha's tweet the other day where she said that after every you know after work she would go home and play overwatch for an hour and she had my voice in her head i had no idea that that was happening so that that was a lovely surprise that i found out you know i was yesterday years old when i learned that so
1: there you go always nice to hear stuff like that anjali before i let you go we've only gotten to see a brief few moments of auntie ruby up to this point obviously could we see her make a little bit more of an impact Coming up in future episodes.
2: Short answer is yes.
1: <laughs> and if that's all you can give me, I totally get that because yeah. we just talked that's, about that.
2: That's literally all I can give you because it's on IMDb. So that's fair. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like I said before the show, I am so anti-spoiler. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you, and I like you, so I would rather not. Well, do that. they'd
1: kill me anyway. They they would show up at my house and. You, can
2: I tell yeah. you? Uh, uh, I did not. So we started shooting or my part. I at least started shooting in like November of 2020. I did not tell my husband what I was shooting until March of this year when they announced it. Oh my gosh! Because I was like, I can't, I can't, I I don't, I don't, I trust no one. I trust no one. I I love you. I love you, and I trust you with my life, but. I get too excited and tell a friend
1: you're gonna get in every marvel movie now and show just because of that level of commitment just that I mean, alone is going to get you cameo, I mean, after cameo. Opposite.
2: that is the one thing about me that is the complete opposite of auntie ruby i am a vault i am more afraid of ndas than the irs i am like fort knox
1: gosh i love that well <laughs> you're gonna have to find out for yourselves just like we will with Every Wednesday, I know you're going to be watching it. That is Miss Marvel on Disney Plus. By the way, just as a side note, she mentioned Overwatch. We get the Overwatch two beta coming up in a couple yes. of weeks as well. I know that you're excited about that, so we'll keep our eyes on that.
2: Yeah, as, well. as we are recording, they are putting the, the, There's a stream coming up very, very, very soon that we're going to learn more about.
1: Ooh, see Ooh. Even, Ooh. even more teases, and that's Ooh. all you're going to get from her because this she's a vault. Thing. It's <laughs> Angelique Bumani. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Thank you. And you can just feel the love and the positivity in her voice, just from and from everybody that's involved in Miss Marvel. Really, this this show is a love letter to the fans, the fandom, and and everybody who's loved this character over the years. And Anjali Bamani certainly exudes that, and you can tell just how much fun they had making this Miss Marvel series. So make sure you're watching every Wednesday on Disney Plus. Again, thanks to Anjali Bamani for joining me to talk about Miss Marvel. Up next, we'll dive into the world of Motherland, Fort Salem, with creator Elliot Lawrence next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
3: Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale.
0: You can eat it, or if someone hits you,
3: you can put it on your cut.
0: And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream.
3: So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. This is
0: Taylor Hickson, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
1: The final season of Motherland, Fort Salem, begins on Tuesday, June the 21st, on Freeform, and it's going to be a wild ride. The witches are on the run, and the Camarilla have infiltrated The government. So, who better to talk about the final season with than creator Elliot Lawrence? Got a chance to be a part of a roundtable with some amazing journalists to talk about this third and final season. The first question actually to Elliot was about that and did he know? That this was going to be the final season and did he have to cram some story in there to be able to get to that finality here's what he had to say
0: the nice thing is that they even did it this way a lot of shows don't get the opportunity to to get their head around wrapping up a, a series and ending things in a way that hopefully is satisfying so first off we were very lucky that they handled that freeform handled it in a very dignified human way and we had time and I tried this as a book series a long time ago, maybe 10 years ago. And so I planned out a bunch of books and much of the stuff from those loose book plans has been poached for seasons one and two. But I had an end in mind. It it involved bringing it up considerably. And I was really worried that that would just seem wrong, but it actually galvanized the season. And Everything else was already smoldering, but it just set everything on fire and gave, gave us a kind of a, a scary pull towards the finale, which was cool.
1: It's been a rough go for Tally Craven recently on the show for sure. And I wanted to ask Elliot about what's going on with Tally, especially heading in to this season. All right, Elliot, last season was a very difficult one for Tally and after what happened with Alder and Penelope. So I know that we've got a time jump here and I'm sure that this season isn't easy for any of the girls, but where do we actually find her mentally as we get started here in season three?
0: Yeah, so she is, they're on the run with Nicta, they're fugitives from justice. There's a lot of people after them who want to do very bad things. But Tally is kind of in the absence of Alder. She's kind of having a bit of a mother thing with Nicta, who's who's along for the ride with them in their fugitive life. We see some of the dynamics with Nicta that she had with Alder. We see Tally kind of working through this mother stuff. That you know, eventually in the season, she's going to actually work out with her real mom. Slight spoiler there, but that's where she is at the beginning. But mostly, they're all just desperately trying to survive and adapt to to where they're where they're
1: at. Okay, Rayla fans, you know I wasn't going to forget about you, right? You know I was going to ask the question and I got to it. Here it is. Are they going to be happy or not? Let's see what Elliot has to say. Okay, Elliot, you gave Rayla fans a couple of very big moments at the end of last season and it's just nice to see them together again and even though they're on the run, I got to ask because I know that the fandom's going to want to know, are we fi- going to finally see some more happy moments for Rayel and Silla this season?
0: Yeah, I mean I shouldn't even be this explicit about it, but yeah, it's going to be all right. I mean, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings about those two anymore. And I'm not going to promise you a safe season for them or a a chill season for them, but there's beautiful stuff coming down the pike for them. Absolutely. And I think it's going to make people pretty happy.
1: That's fair. Thank you. This might be a little bit of a minor spoiler, but you're going to find out in this episode coming up that, you know, there's certain members of the team that aren't too keen on hiding their faces and hiding who they are when it comes to being on the run. And so one of the journalists asked Elliot about that. And is it about, you know, not wanting to change the actors or is there something more going on there?
0: It's all the spree stuff and how they were indoctrinated from the time that they were kids that the spree is the ultimate in evil. And especially for kind of a military aristocrat like Abigail, it's just so deep in her blood and her bones that that spree stuff, spree magic, spree workings is just dirty. You know, it's a little less so in terms of her family growing up from Tally. But, but for her, a lot of people have a lot of unfinished business about the spree, certainly Raelle as well and Scylla. So I think it's just the association with the spree, first of all, but painful baggage in other ways.
1: Chatting with Motherland Fort Salem creator Elliot Lawrence, and you saw in the trailer that was released, Alder Lives? Is, is it possible? What's going on there? You know I had to ask him about that. Okay, I feel like it's safe to talk about this because it came out in the trailer this morning, so, uh, so we can actually talk about this. We saw in the last season finale, Alder might not be gone after all, and we see that, like I said, in the trailer a little bit. So how much can you actually tease for us about what her journey is going to be like this season?
0: So I love that I can say a little, which you know, you you rightly point out, we know her story's not end. We know she was getting a little tune up underground with mother mycelium, right? So she comes back and she comes back on a mission. I was talking a little bit earlier about how the season is such a rich opportunity to get deeper into what witches really are. We have this prehistory flashback that opens the season. Alder is going to be on a quest for that very song that you saw the pre-pre-prehistory, which is singing in the opening of the premiere. It's a song that could end or change the world depending on how it's sung. And the mycelium needs the remnants of that song, which are held by living people, by stewards. So Alder's back on that quest for really the whole season. And that story of this first song, I mean, not only does it really unpack what witches actually are and what they kind of did for humanity it ties into this apocalyptic event at the end of the season that's very intense
1: it's a great way of explaining that opening sequence thank you thank you when it comes to the villains on motherland fort Salem, there's no question that they are bad and i mean there's no gray area there at all so when the journalist asked Elliot, about that. And I thought his answer was really interesting in how he portrays his villains.
0: If they're drawn starkly, it might just be a matter of, of, you know, at the end of the day, we have 39 minutes of storytelling and we have so many characters to service. It's hard to give everybody their due. And so I think that's what's contributing to, to that that quality that they have. But We'll we'll find some dimension in them this year. We'll 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 start to understand the sick relationship between Car Brant and Alvin Hurst, and we'll even see Silver fail to be steadfast in his evil, like he's that weak. So we'll we'll get some more dimension to our Camarilla people this year.
1: And finally, right towards the end, one of the journalists asked the question that I think Motherland Fort Salem fans definitely want to hear, and is and that is, is this it? Could we be getting something more? at some point and here's what Elliot had to say.
0: I would love a prequel. I would love an American history textbook from the Motherland world. Like I want to get into all of that stuff, but there's more there's more to tell here, I think.
1: And it all begins with the final season premiere of Motherland Fort Salem Season 3 starts on Tuesday that is June the 21st on Freeform. Next day on Hulu, too by the way. If you want to watch not just the live, but want to watch it again, you can do so on Hulu. This is going to be a wild season. Let me tell you, this season three premiere does not disappoint. And it is the kickoff to what I think is going to be an incredible final season for Motherland Fort Salem. Thanks to Elliot Lawrence for joining me to talk about Motherland Fort Salem this week. Up next, going to revisit The Flash and jump back into season eight with a review. I'm James Witham and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
0: This is Matt Lesher from The Flash and Legends of Tomorrow, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
1: Heading back to the Speed Force, and we're not going to be negative. It's been a while since I talked about The Flash on this show, so I wanted to jump in for Season 8, Episode 18. And the reason for that is the return of Matt Lesher as Eobard Thawne. That's one of the reasons. Anyway, so he's back. Very different. Remember last time we saw him, it was on DC's Legends of Tomorrow, kind of redeeming himself. And making the ultimate sacrifice in that respect. So how is he back? Is this one of these multiverse type things? Another universe? So that's what they're trying to figure out. And they figure out-ish. I mean, I'll give you some spoilers here since the episode's already aired. and We're kind of moving on to other things in in the series. But as it turns out, I'm going to fast forward really heavy on this. So it turns out that Thawne is actually in love with Mina Dowen. And that is a character, you know, Fast Track that you remember from Rebirth. That that's a character that, if you're not familiar with the comics, that was created during the Rebirth run of the Flash. And she actually helped the Flash train the next generation of speedsters. And she was the, she was actually the head of Star Labs in that particular story. She was, of course, Fast Track Labs here in this show. They changed things up a little bit for the for the TV series, obviously. And she actually gets taken over. By the negative speed force, you know, of course, Barry thinks that Eobard Thawne's behind it. Why wouldn't he? You know, you see that face, you can't necessarily forget it and think that everything's on the straight and narrow, especially when it comes to Thawne. So you see her get taken over a little bit. And it was definitely a bit of a left turn for the character of Mina Dow when we see her as a major hero in the comics, except for one time where she was taken over by Gorilla Grodd. So this is kind of an off play of that a little bit where the negative speed force kind of takes control of her. She tries to up her speed at a rapid pace because she thinks that, you know, there's something dangerous going on with her speed. So she kind of overdoes it, ends up turning evil. And it actually gets wrapped up all in one episode, which I really, really, really liked because this is not one something I wanted to see drag on because Mina Dow is such a, a great character in the comics and has such great hero vibes that I didn't want to see them turn her into the villain. And make that a permanent thing. I'm glad that Eric Wallace and everybody made that choice to not do that and keep her as the hero. Now, seeing Eobard Thawne as the hero in as as not necessarily the hero he wants to be a hero, but seeing him as like a good guy, for lack of a better term, it's weird. I'll be honest. Even though they had the redemption there in DC's Legends of Tomorrow and he helped the Legends, it, it's still Thawne. And when you when you see him him up against the Flash are in the same room with the Flash, you so you have to be Leary regardless. And, well, there's a reason for that, too, and I'll talk about that here in just a second. But it, it's odd to see him in that role, and for him to be Mina's lightning rod, as as Barry would put it, you know, that's the thing that's going to help her control her speed and control her powers. That That's, again, it's weird. It's a longtime Flash fan, whether it be comics or whatever. It's weird, especially since... It's it's Matt Lesher, and of course we 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 already know him as Reverse Flash from the show. So, as a matter of fact, I've I've interviewed Matt Lesher about his role on both Flash and DC's Legends of Tomorrow. You want to go back and find that? That's a it's a, one of the it's a very very old podcast. I can tell you that right now. So you're going to need to search the archives for that one. I'll try and put up an episode number in the show notes of this episode so you can go back and find it. But you know, Matt Lesher does amazing in the role, and this is going to be a very different take on it for him, so I think that that's going to be really neat. A couple of new—well, I shouldn't say new faces, but a couple of surprising faces that we saw in this episode. One of them was John Diggle. And seeing David Ramsey as John Diggle in this, in this series, you know, he's got the cube, he's been trying to open it forever. And Tom Kavanaugh's Eobard Thon actually helps him be able to tap in and open it now, you, you know, you're, is it the Green Lantern ring, whatever? We, we, don't, we still don't know exactly what's in there. Now we might not because Diggle rejects it. Because when he sees the infinite possibilities, he realizes that it would, he would never see his family again. And if you don't have kids, you don't have a family, you might say, really? That's what you're going to do? That You're, you're going to give this up for your family? Yes, because I would do the same thing. And and I understand it on a level of being a dad and a devoted husband and things like that. I understand that on that level to give up something like that and make that sacrifice. It doesn't surprise me at all that a guy of character like John Diggle would do that. Now, what does that mean for the future of his series that we know we've got coming up? And he, you even hear him on the phone with, with Lila saying, you know, I'm coming home. We got a lot to talk about. And maybe this is what they decide to do. He still wants to have that hero life or still wants to make a difference. And this is the way he decides to do it by putting his own team together. So maybe this is a catalyst for that. But then you've got Tom Cavanaugh, Zeebard Thawne who was like, you know, I was going to use that. Hey, thanks for throwing it and making it disappear. You jerk. So now I can't get out of prison and figure out how to get my speed back. Thanks for that. And so the, the thing disappears. And now though, Thawne knows that his contraption that he built, is now it now exists in this timeline in this time period that he's in and then oh by the way here comes negative still force Dion owens saying hey we got a lot to talk about and i'm a friend but not a friend and i can be a friend and we're gonna friend each other and we're gonna be friends and find your speed and we're gonna do bad stuff basically is where we're going with that because remember Dion owens who was very helpful for iris and things of that nature i been taken over by the negative speed force, or at least his body has anyway. So he's not the good guy that he was before. And if he's going to be teaming up with Thawne, that's going to be bad freaking news for everybody, I think. And then we've got, you know, you see the next two t- two titles for the Flash episodes episodes that are coming up. And they're both starting with negative. That's not necessarily a good thing. We got a two-parter coming up as well. So this is where you're never going to get rid of Thawne. And 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 this is one of those characters where you don't want to get rid of him because of that rivalry and that just between he and Barry, you never want that to go away. I understand you're like, oh, well, can't they have a different villain? I, I get that. This is never over between the two of them, whether it be in the comics or in this in the show. It's never over between Barry Allen and Eobard Thawne ever until one of them is gone completely, and even that's impo- almost impossible to imagine, given the Speed Force. So, this is a rivalry I'm glad is continuing. I think teaming up with Dion Owens is going to make it even more interesting, and now Mina's in the mix. How's that going to work? Because you see, you saw what happened to her in the comics. With Godspeed, she's more, she's more connected to Godspeed, but still, you could bring her into the Thawne story in the series and make that make a lot of sense, especially if you have the other Thawne and, and Matt Lesher involved in this too. So I think a lot of good things happening for the flash. You know, we've got a shortened ninth season coming up, but I think that they're really rounding this season out nicely and really coming into their own in the, in the, in the home stretch here. And I think exciting things are definitely to come. That's going to do it for my spoiler filled review of season eight, episode 18 of the flash demand in the yellow tie. Up next, going to chat with Eric Burnham about his new comic book series, Potions Inc. The second part of my conversation with him is next on the Down and Nerdy podcast.
0: My name is uh, Liam Sharp. I draw Wonder Woman, I co founded
2: Mayfire. And I'm a dear and close friend of the Down and Nerdy podcast.
1: You know, it's about time we talked about a Mad Cave Studios book here on the podcast. And one of the reasons that I decided to do this, not just because this guy was attached to it, but it just seemed like a really, really cool story called Potions, Inc. Number One, which is available right now on com. It is the one and only Eric Burnham. Eric, how you doing, man?
3: Hey, man, I'm doing great. Uh, how are you? How's things with you?
1: Doing great, man. Doing great. Awesome. Now. I'm a sucker for a good fantasy story, Eric. And especially when you're dealing with magic, things like that, I'm all in already. So how'd you come up with the concept for this one, Potions Inc.?
3: You know what? I I wish I could take more credit, but it was brought to me. It was, here's what we're thinking about doing. We want to do a family book, a fantasy book, you know, somewhere, you know, all ages, young adult. Here are some character names. These are siblings. These are parents. It's going to have magic and they're going to come from their world to earth. That's what was brought to me. And then they said, fill in the blanks. What else do you got? Um, So I ran with it and had some fun trying to see how I could make the bones of what they gave to me. Interesting to me. And I mean, I had fun doing it. So hopefully it translates and is interesting to the readers as well. But I mean, it just, you know, I I worked with the editor, Erica Schultz, Stelladia, the artist, we just bounced ideas back and forth and, had more fun with each new idea well what about we do this what about we do this and we built it up like that over the course of you know the run of the book and it just i I, so i the 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 short version (laughs) the skip ahead to the answer version (laughs) i wish i i fast forward a little bit i wish I, i i could take all the credit but it was a group effort and a lot of fun so i mean you know
1: and it is a really fun story. I also love the fact that it's a family story. You know, yeah. You've got, you know, you got potions of the family business, which I think is really, really fun. So would you say that Randall Gas Jones is a black sheep of the family, or is he just kind of a bit lost?
3: I hate to go with black sheep, so I'm going to say he's a little bit lost. And that's like one of the most relatable things, especially in stories like this, but also in real life. Your family always has expectations for you, even if they don't lean hard on them. They still have expectations and you're going to notice them if you're if you're not completely oblivious. You're going to notice what the expectations are and it feels terrible to not want to lean into the expectations or to not meet the expectations. I think it feels worse when you're not getting any family pressure than when you are. So, yeah, he's he's just he's just a little bit lost. He is I don't know if expected is the right word mm-hmm. to take over the family business, but he is definitely Unless he comes up with something else, that's what they're thinking is going to happen. He doesn't really feel that that's his place, but he doesn't know where he should be. He doesn't know where he should go, as we say in the story. He's tried some other things, and oh yeah, they, they didn't uh, they didn't fit him, and he gave up halfway through. So, yeah, he he's a little bit lost. He's looking for where he needs to be and where he feels right.
1: I thought was interesting as I was reading through this, and I and I thought about this more and more as I was going on. One of the tropes that you can see in stories like this is sometimes the parents shunning a character like Ran. Or ridiculing but it's actually his pa- parents are actually pretty supportive of him in the story so was that just kind of a happy accident or did you kind of want to take a different approach there
3: uh, I definitely wanted to take a different approach I mean it's kind of goes hand in hand with the you know not leaning on expectations and not pressuring but honestly it's it's just I'm, I'm kind of tired of, of seeing the you're not where we want you to be. So we're going to play bad cop. We're going to, you know, expel you if you don't get your act together or that kind of thing. Just, just jerks of the family. I mean, for the most part, there's dysfunction in everybody's family to one degree or another, but for the most part, families love each other. They do Mm -hmm. support each other 99% of the time. Well, Eighty-nine percent of the time. I was going to say, you want (laughs) to back that up a little. Uh, Let's let's (laughs) back that up a little bit. Okay, they they support each other. Maybe not in all things, but they do. You know, they're there for each other, Mm -hmm. and just it felt it felt right for him to have a loving family, and for them to be that way. And it also supports where the story is, you know, going later on.
1: I love that you have a villain named Ponselina. I think that's a great name. And we don't know how quite how evil she is yet, but I, I disliked her instantly, and I think that's kind of the point of a villain yeah. story. So how much more are we going to find out about just how powerful she is and what this master plan is going to be in future issues?
3: You're definitely going to find out more about what she's got in mind, what her deal is, how powerful she is, how she can, excuse me, do some of the things that she can do. And... Yeah, no, it's just. <laughs> I'm just like, how far can I go without reaching a spoiler? <laughs> you know what I mean. My brain is. I'm. I'm just. I. I got myself just running into. You can a... see
1: when the spoiler filter turns on on somebody's face when yeah, they exactly. really want to so say like... something.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, she's she's just and, and yeah, she is meant to be unlikable, but not hateable. If if that makes sense. Oh, unlike, um, Yes. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't
1: write hate. I was very yes. careful about that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, no, she, she's very, very unlikable. Yeah. Yes. yes.
3: Yeah. She's just, you know, somebody that you can dislike and that fits in that fits in as well. She's competitive. She doesn't like that. The Jones family does what she does. She mm-hmm. kind of wants that leg up and, and she, she sees uh, the MacGuffin and with her family history has an idea of how to get that leg up amongst other things and that's part of the way that the story is going and, and she was one of the um, she was one of the original characters one of th- three original characters that i uh, brought in to patch uh, patch together some of the
1: ideas that we were uh, cooking up for the book definitely works out well with her in there we're talking to eric burnham who of course the writer is po- a writer of potions inc from mad cave studios which you can get at madcavestudios.com right now limited print runs on that too by the way if you want to look into that on the website as well okay so you talked about the characters going from blossoming to the realm of earth and taking your characters out of their comfort zone a little bit. So I'm going to try to get you to tease again. How much fun are we going to have coming up in this second issue and beyond with all of the strange things that they'll encounter?
3: Oh, it was really option paralysis. There were so many things that we wanted to do. And in stories like this, a lot of times it comes down to you can have your fun (laughs) <laughs> or, or you can tell your story. You can't. You can't do as as much of the fun as you want without running out of space to to uh, tell the story that you said to tell. Mm-hmm. And we ran into a little bit of that because there were so many things that we could have done and wanted to do, but we had to. We had to rail it back a little bit. Um, but uh, the biggest thing, and I think you know, I'm I'm just going to go ahead and say it since the book's been out a little bit. Um, we sent them to the West Coast. We sent them to Seattle as opposed to New York. Mm-hmm. Or Los Angeles or you know one of the larger cities that you always see in this kind of you know uh, dimension hopping stories and uh, Seattle brought a little bit different vibe Um, it offered a lot of opportunity to do some things and some of the things we wanted to do I found out um, weren't possible just because of the time frame we sought (laughs) it in I I really wanted to do a scene with uh, I I don't know if you're familiar with the gum wall in -hmm. Seattle yeah, that didn't exist in the time period. Well, that's <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm that's looking a it up and I'm going, oh well, heck, that just ruins that. Then I guess I got a couple of pages <laughs> back go, now. Aw. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so um, you know, I mean, we we uh, we worked in a lot of uh, a lot of the fun. We tried to sneak in some locations that aren't typically used and uh, some jokes, um, some references, some subtle stuff. It just, um, you know erica schultz uh, again the editor and i are both kind of big fans of the 90s and it's not just because that's when we were young <laughs> well i mean it's it a good so, reason to be
1: yeah it, it
3: is you know it's the nostalgia trip it's it's a it's a good time it's started to get mined more and more but it hasn't gotten quite to the level of the 80s anyhow um seattle in the 90s it, it gave it gave some uh interesting opportunities and i i the, the only the only bummer i had is i wrote the book Oh gosh, coming up on two years ago now. I since read books about Seattle and heard stories from my friends who are from Seattle that would have been perfect to use in the book, but they came too Aww. late. That is my only regret. So I mean, you know, it Knockwood Volume Two. I'll get some of that
1: stuff. There in. you go. There you mm-hmm. go. We we just got to think a little bit further ahead there. That's right. So we've got the Ford Stone. We know it's powerful, but beyond that, we don't really know much. So it's. I think it's funny though that Rand thinks it's his lucky charm. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was a really interesting way to go about things. So I, I got me got me thinking. Do you have do you have a lucky charm, and and what is it?
3: I actually I actually do. I, I do have a lucky charm. It's something that I've uh, had for a long time, and it's 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 a small thing. A friend of mine, gosh, twenty some years ago, a friend went to vacation in New York and brought me back a subway token just before they stopped using them. And I'm like, this is cool. This is that great. Is cool. It's 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 just a nice, nice little piece of New York. And I went on to write. A lot of things that happen in new york ghostbusters and ninja turtles and spider-man and it feels lucky in that way i mean I, you know i've i my uh my bibliography is really connected to new york and and so is this little little uh tiny token
1: that's very very cool now before i let you go eric you just mentioned ghostbusters it was ghostbusters day last week so I, i'm like i can't not ask you something about ghostbusters so you've sure. worked on the comics quite a bit over the years in your career how did you celebrate Ghostbusters Day, and what are your expectations for this new animated series that was announced by Netflix last week?
3: Oh, well, I'm excited uh, to see what they do with it. I'm hoping I can work my way into writing on it. That's what I was hoping you would say. If, I'm just, if, hey. You know, yeah. If, if they're not too far along, if there's, if there's space <laughs> for me, I'd, I'd like to find myself in on it. Um, if there's not space for me, I hope there's a second season and I can work my way in there. <laughs> See, <laughs> there work towards the future. That's there the plan. <laughs> Lay the groundwork. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited with all the plans that they have. Um, I've heard little bits and little pieces and some of these little bits and pieces may ultimately go nowhere. Um, they just might be things that they're considering now, but it's all exciting. And I, I love to see the franchise just um, taking a step further into new things. So that's very exciting. And, and I hope to be a part of more. I, I at least, I at least got to have a little bit of fun uh, working with Jen Fujikawa on the, the upcoming Ghostbusters cookbook. So it was fun to work back with the, uh, <laughs> with the uh, sandbox on that. But I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always hoping for more just because man, it's fun. It was one of the most fun, uh, fun jobs I've ever had. And, You know, I'd be happy to get back to it
1: any time. Right now, we're talking about Potions, Inc. Issue 1 is available right now at madcavestudios.com. You can find the very cool variant covers there as well. And you might as well go ahead and throw Issue 2 in your pre-order box, too. That'll be coming out on July the 13th. It's Eric Burnham. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. And as you jump into Potions, Inc., you'll see it's just every bit as much of a fantasy story as it is a family story and the way those two things balance each, balance each other out and what's the lady on the art. You cannot go wrong with this one from Mad Cave Studios. You can go to madsteadcavestudios.com right now to be, able to be able to buy the first issue of Potions Inc. and pre-order the second as well. Again, thanks to Eric Burnham for chatting with me this week about Potions Inc. Up next, there's still a little bit of nerd news to talk about. and We'll get to it. I'm James Witham, and this is The Down and Nerdy Podcast.
3: This is writer Eric Burnham, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
1: Looks like we might be taking a trip into the haunted forest. It's time for nerd news, and Game of Thrones might be expanding once again, according to The Hollywood Reporter. It looks like a Jon Snow spin-off series is in the works for HBO. And I gotta be honest, and Kit Harington would be back, by the way, in the role of Jon Snow. And you know how the final season of Game of Thrones ended. Spoiler alert. I don't think I should have to say that. But I'm going to anyway just in case. You know he was exiled. He's going to the haunted forest. And you know going to start his new life. He, They thought he was the heir to the Iron Throne. And you could make the case that he was. But it's Bran. And whether you like that or not. That's what happened. And Jon is off on his maybe not so merry way. Now here's the thing. We're getting all of these... Game of Thrones spinoffs. Let's see, you've got House of the Dragon that's going to be coming out this year on the 21st. You've got Tales of, Dr- of Duncan Egg. You've got 10,000 Ships, Nine Voyages, Flea Bottom, and there's an animated series too, by the way. So part of me is on the enough is enough train. Like, it's almost like Game of Thrones is the new Batman at Warner Brothers. Like, something that was highly and super successful And now that the main series has ended, they're going to try and do absolutely everything they can to oversaturate the hell out of this thing. And eventually what was a special thing is going to not be special anymore because of how much it's been done. Not to say that some of these, if not all of them, could be very well done. It's possible, right? But that's not likely. And that's with everything, right? You're not going to get it right every single time. And the more you do things, the more chances you have of, of it not being, of something not being good. And, and to lose that fan base that you built over time, you could make that argument for Star Wars, quite frankly. And, 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 and that's, and I, I you know, I'm not the one that's, you know, poo everything that Star Wars has been doing lately, obviously. I've been pretty positive, I think. But you could make an argument that that's part of what's happening To the fandom there, the non-toxic side of the fandom anyway. So part of me is like, no, no, don't do this. Plus, I mean, you know, you can make the argument that when they go off book, it's not great when it comes to Game of Thrones. And, And certainly fans have responded that way. But at the same time, part of me is like, you know, if there was one character that you could continue this story with, and this would pick up after the events of the finale... If you, could make, if you could pick one character, this is probably the one that would make sense to continue the story. It, was, it would either be Jon or Arya that I would pick to continue the story on if they were going to do that. And, you know, I think you could make a case either way. And there's already talk of, oh, well, could we see characters appearing in the ball? Yeah, you probably will. But is that the point of this? Do you need that? I know that that's something that that, that we clamor for, and I'm guilty of this, too. Of, oh, well, if we're getting this thing, we might see this person again. Do you want that? Let them let the man have his own story. If he never saw a single character from the Game of Thrones series again, would that lessen your enjoyment of this potential series? I can't imagine it would. And if it would, you're not in it for Jon Snow. You're in it for Game of Thrones. And Game of Thrones is over. I got news for you. Game of Thrones is gone. It had its run. It's over. We're going to get spin-off series, and maybe they'll be good, maybe they won't. But the Game of Thrones series is over. You're not going to capture that again. You're going to capture something different. And there's nothing wrong with different, but you've got to give me different. If you don't give me different, then you're not going to succeed, because we don't need more Game of Thrones. We might need the story to continue. As fans, you, it's obvi- you know, it's, it's OK to want that for the story to continue, even though it had what seemed like a pretty concrete ending to me for the most part. So it's okay to want it to continue, but just be careful of what you're getting once you get your wish. And I know that I'm the be careful what you wish for guy mostly anyway, but this is really one where I, where I say this has got hit or miss potential at best. And hopefully it's a hit because I I wouldn't hate it. I'm not saying I don't want it. I'm just saying that you better keep the caution bulb lit for this one. Here's another one where I go, I don't know, but I guess it's Marvel and you got to trust them. Wonder Man is getting his own series on Disney Plus. This according to Variety, who's confirmed this story at the, excuse me, the Hollywood Reporter did did this one. I'm sorry. It was, this one is the Hollywood Reporter. And yeah, it, this is going to be coming from one of the filmmakers from Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, going to be Destin Daniel Cretton, who's going to be doing this one and teaming up with Andrew Guest, who's a writer-producer on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Community, and they're going to team up to bring Wonder Man to the screen. This is actually one of Marvel's oldest characters. If If you dig into the article, you know this character's been around for a long, long time, since 1964. I won't dig into the backstory. You're going to Google it anyway, so you don't need me to do this for you. But... It's interesting because this is like a, you know, the, the character at one point is a, is a famous actor. He's one of the founders of the West Coast Avengers, and it seems like that's one of the areas of Marvel that we're not really focusing on. And we've been so focused on, oh, we might get Young Avengers because look at look at all these younger characters that they're introducing, like a Miss Marvel, and like you know some of these other characters. Maybe we get Champions. You know, they're talking about okay. Maybe we get all those things, but we're also discounting stuff like West Coast Avengers, which could absolutely happen. And we're not, we've never really focused on it's been about New York, New York, New York. We don't really get to the West Coast in Marvel Studios much, if ever. So this would give us that, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Maybe it would be a little bit different when you've got a character like Simon Williams, who I, I, can't, I can't say for sure that it's going to be Simon Williams, You know, they obviously Marvel Studios can take their liberties, but I mean, you've got imagine a a superhero that's already also a celebrity and I'm not talking about like in the, in the vein of the boys. I'm talking about like a legit celebrity by day, superhero by night sort of thing. Or, you know, not just by night, obviously that's, it happens during the day too. And then you've also got the rumors that, you know, rumors are already circulating. Oh, Nathan Fillion, it should be Nathan Fillion. I don't know. That you want Nathan Fillion in this role, and I love Nathan Fillion, and I will take him on a lot of different stuff. I don't know this is the one you want to put Nathan Fillion in. I think he'd be good. I think he's a little bit, and I hate to, I hate to say this because I know it's wrong. He's a little bit too old. I think. I actually think he might be a little bit too old for this one, and I think that there, are, there are certainly other roles for him in the MCU, and i um, and you know, maybe it is Nova if they go the Richard Rider route. I, I could see that, but. Yeah, I don't know that this is the one that you really want Nathan Fillion to play. But, you know, hey, if it happens, I'm not going to be upset, obviously, because I love Nathan Fillion. But this is one where it it, it could be fun. And, you know, this is, again, a a character that's outside outside the mainstream. Unless you're a big comics fan, you're not necessarily going to know who Wonder Man is. And that's okay, by the way. And if if they take a a little bit of a different route with it, like Marvel Studios tends to do, this is one that could be successful. But, but again, it's like, okay, you, so you're giving this character his own series. Okay, well, we'll have to see how that goes. And again, it's dipping your toe in the water to see if you find something that works. And you expand the character from there. If it does, and this could lead to West Coast Avengers eventually, maybe not on the big screen, but maybe on Disney Plus, and there'd be nothing wrong with that either. So does this open the door for that? We'll have to wait and see. First we have to get a successful first season of Wonder Man. And then we can start worrying about everything after that. A couple of trailers that I want to talk about first, Tulsa King, which is going to be coming out November the thirteenth on Paramount Plus. Tyler Sheridan, again the the creator of Yellowstone and so many great shows on the behind this one. And it's Sylvester Stallone's first series ever, which I think is super, super intriguing. I love Sly and he's basically this is his chance to play play a mob guy. And it's it's Dwight the General Manfred and that's who that's the name of the character. He's been in prison for twenty five years. That's what we find out in this short teaser trailer. And then he's exiled to Tulsa, Oklahoma, by his mob boss. And there you know, you get all exile to Tulsa, all due to respect to Tulsa. That's not, you know, necessarily a mob hotbed. If you were a mafia guy, you wouldn't necessarily want to be there. So, you know, he's gonna build up a crew. And it's not going to be the most, you know, conventional crew in the world. And he's going to bring build his own empire in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, yeah, this one, again, has a chance, I think, to be really, really fun. I think Tyler Sheridan has absolutely 100% gotten the benefit, get, getting the benefit of the doubt with all the great things that he's created so far. I, I, I think that at this point, you got to give the guy his due and understand that, he knows what he's doing, and, he, and and David C. Glasser, who he worked on, of course, Yellowstone with, and Mayor of Kingstown, going to be working on this one with him as well. So when you get a good team and you know you've got something good going on, they you, you kind of keep the band together, and that's exactly what they're doing here. I think this one has a real, real chance to be fun. I don't think Sylvester Stallone would sign up for a TV series if he didn't think that this was going to be really, really well written and really well done. So, again, he's got a reputation to uphold, too. And I think this one could be very, very interesting. So, we'll have to keep an eye on Tulsa King for November. Also, Kung Fu Panda and Jack Black are both back. Kung Fu Panda, the Dragon Knight, going to be coming to Netflix, now we know, on July the 14th. And Poe's making some mistakes. You know, he is not the Dragon Master anymore because he lets a village get destroyed. Basically, they strip him of the title. And it was a couple of weasels, literally a couple of weasels, Klaus and Veruca, who are looking for these ancient Chinese artifacts and ancient Chinese weapons. If they find them, they're going to be able to destroy the world. So enter the Wandering Blade, who is voiced by Rita Ora, and that's who's going to help save the day. And she's like, I'm looking for the Dragon Master, and Poe's like, yeah, that's me, as he's spitting noodles out. And she gives him the, you know, really? And, you know, Poe's certainly gotten that before, so that's nothing new. And, you know, that's where the typical the, the trailer takes a typical turn. You see the hijinks and the adventures and things like that and see how this thing is going to go. And, again, it just feels right having Jack Black back in the role. No disrespect to the, to, to the actor who voiced the character in many other roles in animated series and things like that. But when you get the original voice actor back that made the character famous, it's hard to argue with that. And I think that that, that adds a little bit of extra juice to this series. And it, it, it just looks fun. It looks like a fun return to the Kung Fu Panda story, of which you've, we've gotten a lot over the years. But, you know, with Netflix at the helm here and giving us a chance to expand this story a little bit, maybe a little bit of a redemption story for Poe at this point after a major, major screw-up. Yeah, I, I, I like the idea. They were bringing this back, and I like the story that they've got behind it as well. Kung Fu Panda, The Dragon Knight. Going to be coming to Netflix on July the 14th. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy podcast. Many guests to thank this week Anjali Bimani from Miss Marvel, also Elliot Lawrence from Motherland Fort Salem, and Eric Burnham, writer of Potions Inc. from Mad Cave Studios. So glad to have them all on this week. Also, make sure you're following along with us on social media at Down and Nerdy 757 on Twitter and Instagram. Some interesting announcements coming there really, really soon. At Down and Nerdy on Facebook, online at down and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Every subscription helps in keeping growing the show and going to bigger and bigger things. Can't do that without your support, and thank you so much for that. And remember, you never have to apologize for being a nerd, so let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds.
0: Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwein